So, so today, I'll be speaking about holiness. And we just sang about holy, holy forever. Um, and I, I love the way, actually, God sets us up for a message. And um, I want to talk about holiness and its importance to, uh, to the vision, that, uh, vision of reaching one million people that James shared. Um, I'll share a little bit about myself and what I do. Um, I am uh, I'm a project manager by profession. And, and, it, and I'm sharing this because it's relevant for, the, for, the, for, the, for, this, for this discussion. So I'm a project manager by profession, and I specialize in implementing complex projects. And most of the time, I, I just get the vision. I just get the vision from, from, uh, from my leadership or from my clients. And, and my, it's my job to bring the, the right people, the right tools, and the right processes to, to make that vision into reality. And um, when, when James shared this vision of one million, a lot of things running in my mind. I was, I was trying to find uh, ways and how, how we can make this happen. And, um, and I was looking at various topics and I was looking into various, uh, uh, I was reading a lot of books. And one of the topics that, that caught my attention is holiness. And as I started uh, looking into this topic, I realized and I sensed that this is a very important um, topic that, or a very important subject that we as a community need to consider. And James uh, did not know about, uh, about all these things and what is going on in my mind. And he sent me an email. And he asked me whether I'm open to preach on one of those, one of the, one of the Sundays. And, and here I am. I am I'm, I'm going to preach about holiness. And, my, and, and the message is titled as Holy Living. Uh, I will make this as interactive as possible. I would appreciate if you could actively participate and, uh, and as we journey along this, uh, this uh, beautiful topic. Um, so, and the way I've structured this message, there are four or five key takeaways. And, if you, and, and, and I'll, I'll highlight those as I go through the message. And those takeaways should help you to, 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 to meditate on, 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 on this topic uh, in the coming week. Okay, you're all good? Okay, cool. So the first takeaway is that Jesus has appointed us as kingdom of priests to God as Father. Jesus has appointed us as kingdom of priests. This practice in the church of categorizing people into clergy and laity or as priest and commoner is, 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 not, is, is not a biblical practice. So if you, uh, let's turn to Revelations, or it's Revelation, it's not Revelation, it's the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He has made us a kingdom of priests, kingdom of priests for God his Father. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. Uh, if you read couple of verses before uh, verse 6, that is, if you read Revelation 1, 4, Revelation 1, 5, you'll get the context that this particular verse, that is Revelation 1, 6, is talking about Jesus. So Jesus has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his Father. 
Now, what is kingdom of God made up of? We talk about kingdom of God a lot. What is kingdom of God made up of? It's made up of priests. So, so, so because Jesus has made us into a kingdom of priests, it's made up of you and me, and it is made up of you and me as priests in the kingdom of God. So let's, let's uh, look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. And let's look at it. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And you'll see that Revelation 1, 6, Exodus 19, 6 are very similar. So this is God speaking to the people of Israel through Moses. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. People of Israel were called to be kingdom of priests. They were called to be a holy nation. But they, they failed miserably because, because they rebelled against God. They, they, they were unfaithful to Yahweh. They worshipped other gods. So, so they, they failed miserably as a holy nation, a nation that is set apart for God. And, and in the midst of all this failure, God promises a new king, a new David who will come and will, who will gather his people and will restore their hearts. And this, this king is Jesus. Jesus, through his sacrificial death on the cross and resurrection, he, he, he gathers his people and he restores them as kingdom of priests. And, and that's the reason why you see this relationship that exists between Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, and Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. Okay, so, so let's look at what are the, the roles of a priest. Now, when I, when I talk about priest and, and the roles of a priest, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? A priest worships God, right? A priest intercedes for other people, like he goes before God for other people. And a priest represents, he represents God and his character to the entire world, right? And so today, we'll focus on, on, on this role of priest, how to represent God and his character to this whole world. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big deal. And to me, it's a big, big deal. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell this up front. It's impossible to represent God and his character with our own abilities. It's impossible. Yeah. And today I want to release if, uh, anyone here who's trying to, uh, to, to lead a godly life by his own abilities. I want to release that person today. Because it's not possible. It's not possible to lead a holy life, a godly life, with our own strength. But there is an invitation. God is giving an invitation to enter into a life of abundance, a life of completeness, without our own ability, without using our own abilities. And to in, to explore this uh, this invitation further, we need to look at the concept of holiness. You are with me. We need to look at what holiness means. So when I use the word holy, what comes to your mind? Separate, great. What else? Sanctified. 
set apart. So there, separate, sanctified, set apart, unique, these are all dictionary definitions of holiness. They, they, they are correct in a way, but they don't uh, bring the, the complete meaning of holiness. Now, if you're talking about holiness in your office or in your school, what does it actually mean? Like to people, like you're talking to someone who is not a Christian, what does it mean in contemporary culture? Being different, yes. It, it generally talks about moral standards, right? Holier than thou, have you heard of it? Okay, so it generally talks about moral, moral standards, uh, moral behavior. Holiness means an absence of something, an absence of sin, right? And in, in non-Christian cultures, there could be places which are holy, there, are, there could be trees which are holy, there could be streams which are holy, right? And, and, and people consider them to be holy because they, they believe or they think that there are some sacred powers associated with those things or those places, right? So that's how the contemporary culture thinks about holiness. You know, what does Bible talk about or think about holiness? What does Bible talk about holiness? So let's look at it. Bible has no single definition of holiness. The concept or this idea of holiness starts to develop in Genesis. And it expands in Exodus and Leviticus, and it goes on in different books of the Bible. By studying the account or the report of God appearing to his people in the Old Testament. So God appears to people, he appears to Moses, he appears to a lot of people. So by studying those accounts, you can get to know more about holiness. By studying the regulations for worshiping God, you can, you can get to know more about holiness. And by the time you reach Psalms, this idea, this concept of holiness is used and developed with other adjectives like majesty, beauty, goodness, greatness. So, so the, the, the idea of, the, the point I'm trying to make is the idea of holiness gets expanded as we go through the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So I will try to, I'll try my best to summarize holiness in five sentences. And it's a tall order, right? So holiness is a character of God. Holiness is a, is a character of God. Holiness, the core meaning of holiness, includes God's majesty, God's beauty, God's wisdom, God's power, and God's goodness. Holiness brings completeness and peace. Okay, it brings completeness and peace. Holiness of God is linked to, to his uniqueness as a creator. It's linked to his uniqueness as a creator. And moral values, moral behavior, justice, righteousness, they're all an important part of holiness, but they are not the only definition of holiness. This is an important distinction. Holiness is, is much bigger, much bigger than the way the contemporary culture defines holiness. You're with me? So if you have to define, or if you have to take away something from this section, take away this, that holiness is exclusive to God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. There is no place, there is no thing, there is no people, there is no person who can be considered as holy from the inside. 
or on his own. So let me repeat this again. Holiness is exclusive to God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. There is no person, there is no place or thing which can be considered as, as holy on its own. And, and, and the, the second point you can take away is that holiness is a character of God. God is the source and definition of holiness. God is the source and the definition of holiness. Now you may ask this question. In the Bible, there are people, there are places, there's an entire nation, there are things which are called as holy. What about them? What about them? So it takes us to the next point. That is people, places, or things are considered holy, uh, are considered holy only because of their, because they're closely related to God or they have a close relationship with God. So let me say that again. People, places, or things are considered as holy only because of their close relationship to God, who is the source and definition of holiness. Okay? So let's uh, look at Exodus chapter 3. What do you see in Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 3? In Exodus chapter 3, you have most... Moses, who's encountering God in a burning bush. Okay, Moses lived for how many years? Lived for 120 years. And you can, his life can be broken down into three blocks of 40 years. The first 40 years, he lived in the palace, the palace of Pharaoh. The next 40 years, he, he lives his life as a shepherd in the household of his father-in-law, Jethro. And the, the third 40 years, he leads Israel out of slavery in Egypt and he takes them through the desert to the doorstep of the promised land. Okay, so the, so the Exodus chapter 3 is between the second 40 and the third 40 years of, of uh, Moses. Okay, it's a, it's a, it's a life-defining defi- life moment for, for Moses. You guys are with me? Okay, so I will not read from the scripture, but I will I'll paraphrase it. Okay, so Moses is, is, uh, is a shepherd now. He is living in the household of his uh, father-in-law, Jethro. And he's taking care of the flock of his father-in-law. And one day, he goes far away from his place of living and goes closer to Mount Sinai. Okay? And on this mount, the angel of the Lord appears to Moses in a burning bush. So Moses looks at this burning bush, and it's something strange about this burning, burning bush. The burning bush, uh, the core of the burning bush, the structure of the burning bush is, is intact. Whenever a bush burns, the core is consumed. But in this case, the core of the bush, the structure of the bush is intact. So, so, it, so, so Moses is amazed, so he, he walks towards the burning bush. And as he walks towards the burning bush, he hears a voice of God coming from the burning bush, calling out, Moses, Moses, don't come closer. Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. You're standing on holy ground. Now, why was that ground holy? Why was that ground holy? Because of the presence of God. If, if there was no presence of God, that ground would not have been holy. And you see this pattern throughout the Bible, throughout the Bible, from Old Testament to New Testament, the the temple of God was holy because of the presence of God. 
The presence of God was in the, in the temple. God lived in the temple. That was a place where heaven and earth met. God lived in the temple among the people of Israel. And because of that, the temple was holy. The people who were in the temple, the priests were holy. And the, and the things in the temple were holy. Because they, those things had a close relationship with God. This, this pattern continues into New Testament. So let's turn our, our Bibles, if you have one. Or you can look up on the screen. And this is, um, uh, this is 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Who has given everything that we need? God has given everything that we need for living a godly life. Okay? We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So who has given us everything that we need to lead a godly life? It is God. And why he has given it to us? Because we know him. It's not a, a casual acquaintance. It's not some, some knowing through reading but it is a knowing through relationship because of the close relationship with God that God has given us everything that we need to lead a godly life. So, so coming back to the first point, how can we represent God and his character to the world? By, by, by being in close relationship with God. When we are in close relationship with God, God gives us everything that we need to lead a godly life. God gives us everything that we need to lead a godly life. So if you're under pressure today, under burden, you need to do something to lead a holy life, the only thing that you need to do is get closer to God. Okay, so, so that's, that's, um, that's uh, the takeaway three. Uh, that is people, places, or things are, are considered holy only because they have a close relationship with God. Now, why is it important to lead a... To, to lead a holy life. Why is it important to lead a holy life? To, there's a river in the Bible, okay? And, 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 uh, and before that, I'll let me, uh, 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 let me paraphrase the, the takeaway four. That is the fourth important point from this message. God's life-giving holiness flowing from our hearts into this world creates new life. God's life-giving holiness flowing from our hearts into this world creates new life. And, and, and we'll explore this further. To explore this further, let's look at a river that appears in the Bible in different places. It appears once in Ezekiel chapter 47. Okay, let's look at this river. But to, before we read about this river, Let's let's uh, let's you know let's get to some context. Let's build some context behind this river. So, who is Ezekiel? Ezekiel is a prophet and a priest who's living in exile in Babylon. So, the this king of Judah or king of Babylon, sorry, he he, he defeats the kingdom of Judah uh, in in a battle. 
okay? And, and when he defeats the kingdom of Judah, he takes few people as captive from, that, from the kingdom of Judah into Babylon. So the kingdom of Judah has Jerusalem as its capital, okay? So now, so Ezekiel is one of those people who was captured and taken to Babylon. And he's now in Babylon. Ezekiel was called and commissioned to speak against the people of Old Testament Israel. Okay, so whenever I, get, I am, I'm using the term Israel, it always means I'm referring to Old Testament Israel. Okay, not to the nation of today's Israel. It's just, just you know, because I, I want to be very careful when I use the, the terms. Uh, so, um, so, uh, so Ezekiel was called and commissioned to speak against the people of Old Testament Israel. Okay, and, um, and, and, um, um, and in, in the beginning of the book of Ezekiel, um, Ezekiel has this vision. He has a vision of God leaving the temple uh, in, in, in Jerusalem. Okay, so the, we had talked about this temple. This temple was holy because there was God's presence. Now God is leaving this temple. And why is God leaving? Because people of Israel have abandoned Yahweh. They have been unfaithful to Yahweh and they have, start, they have started to worship other gods. You guys are with me? Okay, so, uh, so then, um, then, in the, then in the initial few chapters, there are 48 chapters in the book of uh, Ezekiel. So initial few chapters, um, um, uh, Ezekiel brings these accusations on Israel. He brings accusations on, on the nations around Israel. And in chapter 33, uh, the, the temple of, uh, of uh, God in Israel, in, in Jerusalem, is destroyed. So the king of Babylon goes again to kingdom of Judah, and, he, he, and there is a rebellion there, so he destroys the temple. Now it's really important, it's an important event for, for a person who, who comes from Israel, Old Testament Israel, because the life of the people there was revolving around this temple. The life of the people there was revolving around this temple. Yeah. So, so, so the temple is destroyed. The, people, the, light, the, the faith of the people in Yahweh is shaken. They're now asking these questions. What will happen uh, uh, to the promises that God made to Abraham? What will happen to the promises that God made about Israel and Israel being a, a, a blessing to all nations? What will happen to the promise of this this, uh, this Messiah who's supposed to come. And from, verses 34, from chapters 34 to 39, Ezekiel is, is, uh, is, uh, is bringing a message of hope. So he's, he's talking about this new king, this new David who will come and who will gather his people and who will restore his people. And, and then in, in the last eight or nine chapters, Ezekiel gets another vision. And that vision is of a new temple in a new city. It's a new temple in a new city. And this temple is, is more magnificent, it's more majestic, it's more beautiful than the temple that, that was built by Solomon. Okay? So you with me? So, and, and, and in this vision, he sees the, the presence of God coming back to the temple. So this, the presence of God comes back to this new temple. So when the, when the presence of God comes to this new temple, this temple becomes holy. Right? We, we looked at it. The temple becomes holy. And then in this vision, he sees the streams of water coming out of this temple. Okay? Now then we enter chapter 47. 
the streams of this water are coming out of this temple and this stream this stream of water soon becomes into a raging river it flows into this new city into the desert and into dead sea and the speciality of this river is that wherever this river flows life emerges there are trees there are animals there are fish so wherever this river flows there is the, the life is emerging there and even in the desert there is life and if you if you read about dead sea there is no life in dead sea because the salt content inside dead sea is very high and that's the reason why life cannot survive in in dead sea but when this river flows into dead sea the water of the, in in the dead sea becomes fresh and now there is life in dead sea there is there are there are there is there are trees there are swarms of fish there is animals so so this is this um this is the, you know this is this river that comes out of the temple of god flows into the desert and into the into the into the into the dead sea now let's you know hold our thoughts there and move to john chapter 7 verse 38 and it should be on the screen here this is jesus speaking okay anyone who believes in me may come and drink anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare and what are the scriptures the old testament jesus is referring to old testament the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart so now in in the next subsequent verses that is in verse 39 and 40 John clarifies that Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. So now let's compare the vision that Ezekiel had and with John chapter 7. Who is the new temple? We are the new temple. And when we go to Jesus and when we drink, what happens? We are filled. We are filled with what? With the Holy Spirit. Right? We are the new temple and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. and in the and and just like in the in the in the vision that Ezekiel had now the rivers of living water a water that creates life everywhere will flow from our hearts into this world and 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 when these rivers of living water will flow from our hearts into this world it creates life everywhere that's how we want to reach out to 1 million people a 1 million transformed lives living in the abundance that god has for them that jesus has for them now you might ask this question how do we live how do we um how do we what what do we do to lead a holy life what do we do to lead a holy life and this takes us to the final uh, point that we'll discuss build good spiritual habits build good spiritual habits israel as a as a in the old testament it failed to be a holy nation in the midst of this failure god promises that he will replace the hearts which are made up of stone the stubborn hard hearts made up of stone with tender willing hearts there is a the god is promising a transformation and and this transformation can happen when we let god transform us we live in a in a in a culture of instant satisfaction i know um, we have some pilots in the room 
Um, now, if, if you if you if you um, if you want to fly an aircraft today, you can and have the, uh, you want to experience the thrill of flying an aircraft, you can you can go to a virtual studio, a virtual reality studio, and you can get that experience in virtual reality. You can they can simulate all the different moments, the motions, and and they can they can create that experience for you. But if I want to fly a plane with that experience, I will not be allowed to do that. I will not be allowed to do so. Because to fly a real aircraft, you need training. You need to go to a, through a process. There is practice, there is learning involved. This is true of Christians as well. We, 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 we are also impacted by this doctrine of instant satisfaction. We don't, we, we, we don't want to give ourselves to transformation. We don't want to give ourselves to God for transformation. And, and some of us, and, and I've done this mistake several times, some of us, we turn ourselves to, to the human powers of will and determination. We want, the, we want to use our human powers of will and determination to, to do this job on the inside, which is not possible. So, so uh, in, in Galatians chapter 6, Verse 8, Paul puts this beautifully. Um, and we'll, I'm reading it from the New International Reader's Version. Um, Some people planned to please the desires controlled by sin. For these desires, from these desires, they will harvest death. Others planned to please the Holy Spirit. And from the Spirit, they will harvest eternal life. So, Paul is talking about planting, sowing. So, and, and, and he's, all, he's talking about harvesting. So if we sow, if we, if we spend time on a worldly life, then we'll harvest death. And when we, when we spend time on a, on a godly life, we harvest eternal life. And here, there, is, there are some, the, the, the sowing of good seeds. He's talking about sowing, sowing of corrupt seeds and good seeds. Now, a few years back, um, we, uh, we, we had to redo our lawn, yeah, which is in front of the house. And, and, um, and we spent a lot of time picking the right seeds. We spent a lot of time in, in cleaning the existing weeds and, and, and the garbage that was there. And, 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 and we had to spend time to put some new soil and then create, uh, then, then we had to sow these grass seeds and then create the right condition for the grass seeds to germinate and become grass. There was time involved. There was a sowing involved. And, and, and that's true of our spiritual life. Right? We, these, and, and, and we can sow into our spiritual life through some good habits, some good spiritual habits. Now, I call them as habits because, because when we do it repeatedly, do it a few times, Habits generally, become, habits generally become part of us. We talk of habits in the bad context. We talk about a drinking habit, a smoking habit, because people tend to do that without thinking. Right? But here I'm talking about good habits, good spiritual habits. And those good sp- spiritual habits are, uh, are um, you know, Christian meditation, meditating on the word, uh, praying, fasting, uh, in, uh, studying the word of God, Spending time in silence, spending time in solitude, and and when we and these uh, spiritual habits, 
They, are, they don't have any power on their own. They're not rituals that you, do, you pray 10 times, five times God will bless you. They're not rituals. They, are, they, they don't have power on their own. But what they can do is they can place you before God so that God can transform you and me. And that's, that, that's the reason why we need to have good spiritual habits. Now, before I close, I will I'll read this from... Uh, I was reading one of the books, and, and this author's name is George Berna, and he, and he writes this way. The Bible clearly states that true believers should be readily distinguished from non-believers by the way they live. Yet the evidence undeniably suggests that most American Christians today do not live in a way that is quantifiably different from their non-Christian peers, in spite of the fact that they profess to believe in a set of principles that should clearly set them apart. So you have a choice to make? And we have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. Am I going after good seats? Or am I going after corrupt seats? Am I going after a worldly life? Am I going after a godly life? Am I going to spend my time on, on, uh, and energy on, on, on the right things or on the, on the wrong things? And, and also there's a choice to... Uh, uh, and, and we can accept... Uh, there's an invitation from God and we have a choice to accept or reject that invitation. And that invitation is a call to each one of us to enter into a life of abundance, a life of completeness, a life of peace. And, and the choice is ours, and the freedom, and God has given us the freedom to choose. So I leave, it, I leave you all with that. My prayer is that uh, you know, we, we look into this topic deeper. We look into holiness deeper, and we, 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 we all uh, live a life that is holy, and as we reach people, a million people, and create those million transformed lives. God bless you all.